Well, hey everybody, welcome to episode 250 of the Ankeny Fanatic Weekly Podcast. As always, is brought to be our good friends at Coldwell Banker Mid-America. Coldwell Banker is rooted in the legacy of our founder, renowned businessman and philanthropist Marvin Pomeranz. We continue to tell his story through our love of people, homes, and the communities we serve. Our integrity guides are focused to empower people to make the best real estate decisions possible. We pair local ownership and knowledge with the power of an international brand and the most advanced technology to elevate the customer experience and expectations. Our network of resources allows us to be the number one Coldwell Banker franchise affiliate in Iowa, guiding you home for over 30 years. All right, well, we're going to talk a lot of girls basketball tonight. Later on, I'll be visiting with a broadcaster who's going to help me break down the Class 5A bracket at the state tournament. But right now, my first guest is a junior point guard for the fifth-ranked Ankeny Centennial team. She's helped the squad to a 14-8 record, and she leads the team in several categories, averaging 15.7 points, 7.2 rebounds, 3.1 assists, and 3.2 steals. She's Maya Crawford. Maya, thanks for joining me. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Hey, you bet. Well, Coach was saying that you guys were watching film today, so did you guys get on the court at all today, or is this a rest day? Nope. We took yesterday and today off. Probably needed it at this point, don't you? Uh, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Well, before we break down the state term, I just wanted to ask you a few questions about your own play. Uh, you, I mentioned that you lead the team in rebounds, and, and that's kind of rare for a point guard to do that. But, you, you know, you really seem to enjoy it to crash in there and grab those boards. Is that something you take a lot of pride in? Uh, yeah. For me, it's all about effort. Or, like, growing up, my dad has always said rebounding is all about effort. And i kind of taken that to heart my past few high school seasons. So, yeah, knowing that. I can just do whatever I need to do to play that way. And every night, like some nights this season, I've had two rebounds and I've gone home and been like, that wasn't good enough. And so then I turn around and then I've had like seven and then just growing from that and knowing that like, it's not all about points, but like it's the little things and rebounding to me is like huge. I noticed in the stats today that you're only three blocks behind Jaden, so there's another category you can shoot for, huh? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, your game has improved in so many ways this year. Uh, You've already made twice as many three-pointers as you did a year ago, and you've raised your shooting percentage uh, from behind the arc to about 31%. Uh, You've also improved your free-throw percentage from about 57% to 70%. You know, that's pretty important because you do get to the line quite a bit. You know, was that something you worked on a lot in the offseason, your your shooting from both the line and behind the arc? Uh, Yeah, I think after last year's... Uh, state game against Johnson I like the way I went out and I had everyone telling me like what I the way I performed was not acceptable and in my head I knew the exact same thing so this year I've kind of used it all as motivation I worked I was in the gym all the time over the spring and summer and now I just use it all as motivation and now we're at state and now I get to do it all again so and it's in the back of the, in my head the whole time. Well, beginning with the first Ankeny game back in December, uh, you've averaged nearly 18 points a game over the last 14 contests. Now, that win over Ankeny ended your team's five-game losing streak at the time and kind of turned your season around. Did you kind of make you know, a conscious effort to become more aggressive? Because it just seems like you've taken your game to another level you know, as the season's progressed. Uh, yeah, I think at the beginning of the season, it was I played meant, like in my head a lot, and now I'm just playing more free, and I'm just playing a lot more confident now. So now I'm just like playing, and it's been fun for me and the team as well. Well, of course, you weren't here two years ago uh, when the Jaguars beat Sioux City East in a very close regional final. You know, I'm sure you heard how tough that game was from your teammates. Were you expecting a really tough battle on Tuesday, and were you surprised that you guys were able to pull away like you did? Yeah, on Tuesday, I thought it was going to be another CML matchup with them not being the CML. They're, they were a very good team. They averaged 70 points per game. Like, they had everything they needed, and we I thought we matched up with them really well. But I was not expecting it to be that ending, but I'm glad it happened like that. 
Well, now you guys will get a rematch against Milwaukee in the Class 5A quarterfinals on Monday at 11.45. Of course, you guys lost to the Warriors twice during the regular season. Uh, what, what do you see as the keys to this matchup? Uh, really, I think it all comes down to our defense and how, if we decide that, like, how we decide to play the game because we could play, like, on our heels and stuff or we could play on our toes, too. So, really, I think it all comes down to our defense and then we'll just go from there. Well, Milwaukee has a balanced offensive attack with four players averaging in double figures. You know, and that makes them really hard to guard because you can't really focus on just one or two players, can you? Yeah, no, I would say it's they're definitely one of the tougher teams that we've had to scout and, like, review over because they have so many girls who are able to score and they're really like smart team they pick the matchups that they think they can score off of and they just make it difficult to guard so yeah we well, did get some state tournament experience uh, last year and that's one area where you might have a little bit of an edge over Waukee I think uh, Kirsten Houck played a little bit on the Waukee state championship team as a freshman and Sophia Hope has previously played at state uh, when she was at Valley but I think they're the only two you know who have seen the floor at Wells Fargo but when you first played there last year did it take you a little while to adjust to the different shooting background there or, or not really uh, yeah, it takes a little bit to get used to. I think that we were t just talking about that the other day in practice, like getting used to the NBA three-point line being on the court. But they have that at their court, so I don't know how much of a difference it will make it for them. So. Well, if you guys can pull out a win, uh, you would likely get a rematch against Johnston in the semifinals. Uh, last year, you guys played Johnston down to the wire in the semifinals before falling 42 to 35. And uh, you know, we talked. With, we're going to talk with Coach here a little bit too about the, about the game you just had with them uh, last month, where you played them down to the wire and just lost by five. You know, I know some people feel like you know this Johnston team is unbeatable, but do you think if there's one team that can take them down, it's you guys? Uh, I I mean, in some ways, I do, but. Anyone can show up any night, so it kind of just depends that. We just kind of have the mindset that we have nothing to lose when we play any of these teams now because we're the underdog going into the state tournament, being on that side of the bracket and the seeding. So knowing that we have nothing to lose and just give it our all, I think that's what will help us be able to compete with those girls. Well, on the other side of the bracket is your former team in number seven, Cedar Falls. Uh, they've had a great year. Their only loss came at Ankeny back in November, and they've since reeled off 20 straight wins. Uh, they have one of the state's best players in Grace Knudsen, and, and she'll be your future teammate at Drake. You know, I'm sure you followed their success this season. Do you stay in contact with some of those girls? Yeah, I talk to most of their starting five every single day. We're always keeping track after every game. We're texting each other, asking how it went, how we played, and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's been fun seeing their success and us being able to all be able to play at the state tournament this year. Well, you guys obviously haven't played Cedar Falls, but you have played uh, their opponent, Davenport North, and you've also played the other teams on that side of the bracket, uh, Dowling and Pleasant Valley. So, so who do you expect to emerge from that side of the bracket? I think that side of the bracket could be interesting. I think PV could pull it out. I think Dowling, they played each other earlier in the season. They struggled somewhat, but I think Dowling, they'll be good, and they'll be, they stay pretty steady throughout no matter what. So that will be good for them. And then the Cedar Falls North game, I think it could go either way. So whoever decides to show up that day. I think we'll pull it off. Well, it should be a fun tournament. Looking forward to it. Uh, good luck next week, Maya. Thank you. You bet. All right, my next guest is the head coach of the Centennial Squad, and he has guided the Jaguars to a 14-8 and record and a fourth consecutive trip to state. He is Scott DeYoung. Scott, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Doing great. That feels like spring, right? So it, it does. It's all good. Can't Sun's complain out. about for sure. Well, Coach, uh, your, your team advanced to state with a 53-25 to victory over Sioux City East in the regional final on Tuesday. I wasn't at that game, but that was obviously a dominant performance by your squad. Uh, the Black Raiders have been averaging about 65 points a game. So, so I don't imagine your team could have played much better defensively, could it? No, we were really, and as the game wore on, we were better and better. Um, so uh, our coaching staff had a really good game plan. Um, our scout team really was in tune, and we had a, quite a few practices to, to work on that. And, um, yeah, we were locked in, and um, the kids executed really well. 
Well, your point guard who we just talked to, Maya Crawford, led the way for you with 22 points, nine rebounds, three assists, and three steals. And I know you asked her to do a lot of different things on the court. You know, she's really taken her game to another level in the second half of the season, hasn't she? She has. Um, you know, we've really grown a lot as a, as a team, and Maya certainly has been one of those kids. And, um, you know, she's hard to match up with. She's she's versatile. Her and Jaden are both very versatile players. And um, it's added a lot of dimension to our team as we've grown and gotten better. And um, I do believe that those two allow the other kids on our team to play a little bit better. And that's what, you know, the really good players do. They make those around them better. And those two have done that. Well, they're so versatile, too, that you can kind of, you know, maybe mix in some other girls with them and, and you can kind of cover everything can't you you can um yeah i mean they're they're both get to the free throw line they can take the ball to the basket um you know the rebounding is, is doesn't get talked about a lot but they've had double doubles a lot when your point guard can go for nine to ten rebounds um you know it's a good thing have you ever had a, a guard a point guard that could rebound like her no we've yeah. never had a point guard that could rebound like that i didn't think so <laughs> Well, that's that's pretty rare for a point guard to, to rack right. up as many as she does. Right. Well, of course, that was the 699th career coaching win for you, so that means you could reach the 700 win mark with one more victory at the state tournament next week. You know, we'll break down your quarterfinal matchup here in a minute. You know, but if you can get that that next win on Monday, what would that mean to you personally, or would you just be happy to be moving on to the semifinals? Well. <laughs> I would be ha if if we win that game, I'll be happy for our team and our program because um, we've had such a great year and we're playing a really good team. So I think you know, I, if you wouldn't have brought up the 6.99, nobody would even know about it, and we'd just be playing another game. But um, you know, it is a lot of great players. It's a lot of great coaches on our staff and um, a lot of stability. So. Um, yeah, it would be great to, to win. With Our team would like that. Well, I checked with your AD the other day just to make sure that I, I was correct on that, and he knew about it already. So I, okay, he, he, may have right. he may have something planned if you guys win. I don't know. But, uh, well, your team will certainly uh, face a huge challenge on Monday. And number four, Waukee, uh, the Warriors advanced to state with an 83-58 to victory over Iowa City West, and they made 14-29 to three-pointers in that game. Uh, Marin Zallo led the way with 24 points. She went 10 of 12 from the field, 4-5 uh, of five from three, I think. Uh, three other players had 15 points, and that's not uncommon for them because those same four players all averaging double figures. I mean, this is a really talented team, isn't it? Well, I've been with, impressed with Waukee all year long. They're, um, they're a really, really good team. They're well coached. They're very versatile. Um, they take advantage of matchups, which you don't see at the high school level very much. They'll post somebody up or they'll isolate them and take them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, they're not structured, so it's not like you can really plan on what they're going to do. Um, they're just a really, really good offensive team, one of the best that we've played against. So um, that'll be a huge challenge for us. Well, your team will try to avenge uh, two earlier losses. Uh, Waukee won the first matchup at Centennial in December, 51 to 37, and then they won the rematch on January 23rd, 60 to 53. Uh, they led by as many as 15 points in that second game before your team rallied. Uh, you guys cut the deficit to four before eventually falling short. You know, but you obviously played them tougher the second time. Can you take some confidence away from that game heading into this one? Well, I think the confidence with that we take away is that we've played the toughest schedule in the state. I mean, and, and other people are real close, but I think it about unbound, it's number one. We've gotten a lot better. And, um, you know, I think what our one of our coaches said, Coach Runchy said, when the state tournament pairings come out, nobody wants to see Yankee Centennial on their line, probably. So, um, you know, we're the underdog. We're going to go out and give it everything we got. And, um, you know, if we play well, we think we have a chance to be in the game at the end, and we like our chances. 
example, Emily Sorensen was the big gun for Waukee in that second game. Uh, she had three huge three-pointers early in the fourth quarter, and she scored 19 of her 23 points in the second half. And I know because of their balanced attack that you have to account for multiple shooters, you know, but she's one gal that you can't afford to let her get going, can you? You can't let her get going. And, um, you know, we made that big comeback, cut it to four, and she hits the three threes I, I, almost in a row. But then you just talked about um, the sophomore. She had Zalo, yeah. She had five out of six threes, or whatever it was, four out of five, and you know, Hawk can. Sh so it's pick your poison. But um, she's had a really, really good year. You know, coming off that ACL um, about a year or so ago. So um, yeah, we have to count for her. There's no doubt about that. Well, this will be the second time that Centennial has faced Waukee at the state tournament. Uh, the first time came in the semifinals three years ago, and the Warriors won that one, 50 to 29, and went on to capture the title. You know, that Waukee team, you know, was an absolute juggernaut, and they were led by Katie Dinnebeer, who's now doing some great things at Drake. You know, I don't think this year's Waukee team is quite on that level, but do you see any, any similarities between, you know, the two teams as far as the way they can shoot the ball? No question. I believe in that championship game they shot, geez, they shot so well. But, um, you know, they both have great point guards. We're a big fan of Hawk. She's a really, really strong competitor. She can shoot. She can drive. She's our quarterback. They've got they've got scores from every position. And they um, 22 Smith off the bench has been playing really, really well. So there are a lot of similarities, I do think. They're, they didn't have that team of Chris Guest didn't have a six-foot, you know, mm -hmm. big, tall kid. These, they're, you know, got good size, but not somebody that you would call a dominant post player. And they're, they're very hard to guard, versatile, just like that championship team, I think, good comparison. Well, of course, uh, five of the eight teams in the Class 5A field are from the CIML Conference, including all four teams in the upper half of the bracket. Uh, that means we'll have at least one CIML team in Friday's championship game. You know, if you guys are fortunate enough to win on Monday, you would then play number one Johnston or number eight Valley in the semifinals on Thursday. And, and you'll know the outcome of that game when you guys take the floor at 11.45. Now, Johnston is clearly the favorite to win the state title. You know, do you give Valley much of a, ch a chance in that game? Well, I think, you know, Valley's playing a lot better. So um, Valley plays really, really good defense. I think we all know that the margin of error when you play D Johnston is very small. So you have to play really, really well. But um, I think you've kind of seen the last second half of the season that um, teams have come a lot closer than earlier in the year. So, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, says a lot about the CIML. I mean, four teams, I mean, it's, um, or five teams, is that what it is? Right. It's, it's, it's a really, really, really great conference. A lot of great players, a lot of great coaches, and, um, you know, it's going to be hard competition. When you have the two conference teams playing, it's, you know, it, it gets pretty intense, I think. Well, Ankeny found out the other night, you know, how tough it is to beat a really good team three times, and, and Johnson's going to face that, you know, in the first game. It could happen with you guys. It could happen in the finals if they, if they face Dowling. So, I mean, they're going to have to earn it. <laughs> yeah, they are. And you're right to go through your whole conference, which they will probably do. Um, well, we don't know that. There's some, you know, Dowling has a really tough matchup. They were down, I think they were down about 12-0 to Pleasant Valley and that Johnston tournament so um, you know that you just don't know it's sports you don't know but um, Johnson's the favorite and I think there's some teams that have improved that will have a chance to challenge them well yeah I'm sure your players would love another shot at Johnston you mentioned that the margin uh, for error is really slim against them but you guys lost to them by 27 back in December but then uh, last month you took them to the wire before losing by five and you're still the only team to lose to them by fewer than 10 points this season you know do you feel like maybe you guys figured some things out in that game as far as you know how to compete with them or is it just a matter of playing really well well, our schedule has grown confidence and toughness in us. Um, you know, Dowling, Waukee, Johnson, we had those all in a row. And I just think that's what it's done. It's, it's made us tougher, and it's made the kids confident um, with 
everybody that we've played. So we'll need that against Waukee. If we're fortunate enough to win, we will need that against Johnston. But I think it gives us opportunities to be able to compete for the championship, and that's all you can ask for. Well, you mentioned uh, Dowling's first-round matchup against uh, Pleasant Valley. I did want to ask you a little bit about the other side of the bracket. Of course, the number two Davenport North is also on that side, uh, but they are uh, without one of their stars. Uh, Journey Houston uh, has suffered a knee injury. You know, so how do you see the, that side of the bracket kind of playing? Well, out? it's too bad for Davenport North. You can't lose a player like that and not be affected. Any of us that loses a, a, a such a great player would be affected. So it's too bad for them. We hope that she gets better. But that first, you know, Dowling has a tough draw with Pleasant Valley. Um, Dowling's had a tremendous season, but um, Pleasant Valley's hard to play against. They got all that size. So that'll be a very, very intriguing matchup. Um, I think if Dowling gets by that, they'll have a little sense of relief and um, be ready to roll on afterwards. Well, I remember back in 2016, you guys went through that gauntlet to win state. I think it was Davenport North, Cedar Falls, Johnston, and, and the way this tournament sets up, I mean, you could have to go through uh, Waukee, Johnston, and then either Dowling or you know, Davenport or any of them. I mean, they're all good teams. I mean, th this one would almost be even tougher than that one. I well, think. I, th I think it is. I, they're just, the, yeah, I mean, you're right. They're just the great, great teams. I mean, and, and there are a lot of great players. So it would be similar to that. We, J Devonport North had a really good team. We, you know, that was a real scoring affair. And then we played well against Cedar Falls and we just kept playing a little bit better and better. And that's what the team that wins will do that. They'll just keep playing a little, little better every game. Well, it should be a fun term. Looking forward to it. Uh, good luck next week, Scott. You bet. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. You bet. All right, you're listening to the Yankee Fanatic Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Coldwell Banker Mid-America. MJ Properties is also a sponsor of the podcast, and MJ is the title sponsor of Yankee Fanatic as well. We appreciate uh, their support and also their uh, hospitality over here at the Standard Building on Northeast 36th which is where we record our podcast. We've got a nice little office over here uh, that works out well. And uh, we just want to give a shout out to MJ Properties. All right, well, my final guest tonight is a broadcaster who will be on the mic next week for the girls tournament. He'll be calling games for the Iowa Girls High School Athletic Union Network and also hosting uh, the Iowa PBS coverage. And uh, this guy talks for a living, so he's in his wheelhouse here. This is Paul Yeager. Paul, how you doing? Thanks, Dan. Uh, that's all I need. I'll take it from here. Uh, great program. Yeah, hard to believe. We're, this is anything but like the weather we're used to seeing traditionally for the tournament, right? That's right, yeah. We're supposed to have the blizzard and all of those things. That's all stereotype. We just have tornadoes now during the tournament. Well, it's supposed to be 70 on Monday. That'll be nice. Isn't it something? Yeah. Man, it's going to be It's gonna be like when they all went to, to start practice in November. It was that warm. Was it? I can't remember. Was it that warm? Well, I don't think we, we only had like two weeks of winter this year. Yeah. They were bad two weeks, though. <laughs> they, they were. <laughs> well, hey, before we get to the questions, happy Caitlin Clark Day. I just I heard about that a little bit ago. I didn't realize that the legislature was going to do that. Well, you know, <laughs> how can they not celebrate someone like her, right? You know, I mean, that's actually a player of all the accomplishments that she has had the one thing that she never played in was a state final she played in the state tournament i want to say two years mm -hmm. but never made it to the finals and it was her senior year wasn't it that they got knocked out in the regional final wasn't it it was either her senior year yeah it was either senior or junior year um sioux city east i think knocked right. him out i think it was i think it was that senior year and that junior year they kind of i think they want she might only she might be one and two at the tournament that's a very good thing i should look up at some point but that's like the only only thing she's not excelled at was, well, was the sure. tournament. Well, I'm sure you interviewed her a couple times in your career, haven't you? We 
did. In fact, I covered, I tell this story quite often, um, doing games for CISN. It had to be her freshman or sophomore year. We were at Waukee one night, and she just goes off in the third quarter. And I, I think Dowling was down at least 10 going into that third quarter. She scored a ridiculous amount of points. I'm going to say somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 22, and willed them in, and might have been, been fourth quarter, and, and took them, and that game went into overtime. And, and that's when you really saw. Now, Waukee, for those who've been there at Waukee Classic, it is a nice, you know, real setup, kind of a narrow hallway outside of where the locker rooms are. Mm -hmm. I counted no less than three major colleges there that night. Oregon State was there. Uh, I don't remember. I don't think Baylor was there. Um, but there was another couple of big programs there that night to see the sophomore play. And I guess they were all right on her. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I was going to interview her one time. I was at a game out of Dowling. They were playing one of the Ankeny teams. And, of course, I usually talk to the Ankeny kids, but I had a minute, and she walked by. I was going to say something or talk to her, and I didn't. And, and now I'm thinking, well, I probably should talk to her. <laughs> it's always fun to watch, like, Dowling football occasionally. Our friend Mark Amadeo will have her on when she's back uh, to watch a football game. You know, her brother was quarterback there for a sure. while. All of a sudden, you see it half time. Like, oh, there's, uh, there's legendary Caitlin Clark right there on a Dowling football halftime that's kind of fun well hey, let's talk some girls basketball i know you've seen most of these uh, 5a qualifier, uh, qualifiers play this season uh, some of them multiple times you know so i want to get your thoughts on the tournament uh, we've got five ciml teams in the field and we know that at least one of them will be in the championship game on friday because uh, there are four teams in the upper half of the bracket you know so if dowling can emerge from the bottom half of the bracket you know and i think they have a good chance to do that we'll have an all ciml final but before we break down you know each of these uh, quarterfinal games i just wanted to get your overall thoughts on the field i think uh, most people would agree that number one johnston is the favorite to win the title if not a heavy favorite you know is that kind of the way you see it i know you're not in the business of making predictions but you know do you think do you think johnson versus the field would be kind of a, a pretty even proposition i've said it multiple times this year on games um broadcasting ankeny and centennial games that it really does feel like it's johnston and everybody else but then you look at those games when ankeny was leading at halftime against johnston centennial took johnston late into that game uh and it was not a, a foregone conclusion all you have to do, Dan, is go back to last year. You kind of thought Johnston was going to roll last year. Mm -hmm. They get to that title game, and Pleasant Valley said, uh-uh. So not only was it a non-CIML team last year that, that got to the finals, it was them that actually won the state title. So Coach Jennifer Getz over at PV, um, she I remember her, when I worked in Davenport, she played for Keokuk Stritch. That school's not even open anymore. Mm -hmm. Then she goes to St. Ambrose, dominates she dominated those two levels. Then she gets into coaching at Assumption, wins the state title, goes to PV, and what has she done? She finally get over, got over that regional final hump, could never get it done, gets to the state tournament, and then I think in the second attempt wins the whole thing. So I will not count out anything uh, when it comes to Pleasant Valley or any of those Eastern Iowa schools. But, but, but I will say the CIML is pretty strong this year. Oh, for sure. Well, let's break down each of these games. Uh, Johnston will kick things off at 10 a.m. against number eight Valley. Uh, the Dragons won the last meeting between these two teams by 35 points, and Valley's Elise Yeager uh, may still be hobbled a little bit by that ankle injury that she suffered against uh, Ankeny earlier this month. Do you see any way that Valley can even keep this one close? Yeah, absolutely. I think, because you look at Yeager, um, so Tuesday night when we were at the regional final game, uh, it looked like she wasn't taking many shots, uh, but sometimes 
sometimes coaches will do that or, or they, 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 you take what the defense gives you. And if Ankeny was not wanting Jaeger to beat her, uh, beat them, then they force somebody else to, to take those shots. And I think the, the thing with Valley as, that has emerged as the year has gone on, they have identified one, maybe two more scorers. And I think that's key because mm-hmm. everybody can stop one player, but can you stop three players? And if Valley can just get enough Balance, but the problem is, uh, if you go to, I think it was the January second game, Valley Ankeny, Yeager got into foul trouble, and that they had not identified a second score at that mm-hmm. point, and that was not a close game. That was all, all Ankeny. Can um, John? I mean, let, let's face it, Johnston is stacked. Um, they really are. You know, you have uh, Tanky going to Iowa State. You have uh, Lewis. You have, you just, you can keep going, and then they have the bench. And it, it, it's just, it's, ah, you know, you look at the, the Jillick teams of the past, um, they have had some that have had incredible talent, both volleyball, basketball players that kind of had, you know, I can name several of them, right. one of them even coaches now, um, uh, an assistant at Centennial, you yeah. know, I mean, yep. mm-hmm. when Rachel's teams, um, I, I look at, you know, I watch Maya McDermott, she was so good uh, for that team. They had all these players, Taryn Knuth, if mm-hmm. you want to go back. It took a little bit of experience for Johnson to kind of get over that hump. And now I, I think they they wear that target with pride and they, they know they're the hunted. Well, I want to save the Centennial versus a Waukee matchup for for last. Let's move on to the 130 matchup between number two Davenport North and number seven Cedar Falls. Now, if North was at full strength, I think you know maybe they'd be a pretty solid pick here. But of course, they've lost one of their stars, a, a Journey Houston, to a knee injury. Uh, Cedar Falls is riding a 20-game winning streak since the Tigers suffered their only loss at Ankeny back in November. You know, I'm sure the Tigers still have some nightmares about uh, Carson Jackson's performance that night. But the Tigers are obviously <laughs> playing really well. You know, I just don't know if they've played the same kind of schedule that everybody else has. Uh, their two best wins were probably against uh, Cedar Rapids Prairie. So how do you see that one? Well, I did see Cedar Falls come to Ankeny that night uh, back. I think it was right before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And they had to replace. I know they had a couple of holes to fill. Uh, and Coach Grone has uh, been a perennial. They know the trip. They know the way from Cedar Falls to, to Des Moines quite well. He has had great programs and, and great players. You know, you look at the UNI roster that he seems to, to. There was one year I think he sent three players mm-hmm. across town to play at the McLeod Center. Uh, That Cedar Falls team did get better as the year went on, but you have to look at City High not as strong as they had been in the past. Iowa City West not as strong as they had been in the past. Waterloo West definitely not as as good as they have been. So those are three usual games that they would get once, maybe twice in the league that they didn't have this year. But you had the emergence of Western Dubuque uh, that's now in the conference, and and they seem to play better. Uh, And then you had... uh, Prairie got better as the year went on. Prairie played Johnston early on in the season. That, too, was maybe even the first game of the year. That game wasn't even close. But what I'd heard, uh, Prairie came over to play at Valley uh, maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. That thing went, I think, to double overtime. Yeah, I remember that. And what I had heard is that look out for Prairie. They keep getting better. So I think that's a 
pretty good middle of the day game that, uh, you know, you look at Kenyon Murray as the coach at Prairie, um, has a daughter on the team. You know, there's, there's reasons to be excited um, for either fan base. Uh, I think you can't assume your team's going to win. You better go and cheer them on. Well, I saw that North team play uh, Centennial when they were at full strength, and that was a close game. And it didn't seem like they had a whole lot of depth. I just wonder if they can overcome the loss of, of Houston. Right, and I'm going, and I know I went down a rabbit hole of Prairie. Sorry about that. I well, do. Okay. I did, but Davenport North, yes. Uh, uh, with their with losing Houston, uh, that really leaves them only Burridge, and that's a team that last year and the year before were really hoping that experience would set up this year. And uh, in fact, I think Houston's actually having surgery the day they're supposed to play on Monday, hmm. so she won't even be able to be there on the sideline as like a a moral support. They're going to just have to rely on the texts uh, from family, hoping that the surgery goes well. So, but but again, let's go back to now extreme Eastern Iowa, and, and, and in that conference, Pleasant Valley. Those that was a really good game. Muscatine had a pretty decent team this year from that conference. Mm-hmm. Central Dewitt is a new uh, member of that league. They too were on. They were close to making it to state. So there were. Not all games by 70 points over there. So, I, I, you know, you play the schedule that you have, and it's how you attack it. I always kind of talk to coaches about how have you strengthened yourself? What have you learned from one year to the next? Like, you know, maybe I should go to that tournament in Cedar Rapids where I could play uh, a Dyke New Hartford. Yeah, they're smaller, but, man, it sure would be fun to play them on a neutral court. And I just love seeing those cross-state, I call them cross-pollinator games where we get a sense of how good east west when they meet somewhere else sure well you touched on pleasant valley a little bit earlier but uh, they'll be in that last quarter final at 315 against dowling of course pleasant valley is the defending champs now i think last year i kind of underestimated pv i don't i think i had them losing in the first round of course they went on to win the title uh, but that team had haley vice and, and you know this year's team is maybe just a, a cut below that one i, I know they're big but uh, the Spartans already lost once to Dowling this season I'm sure the Maroons will be looking for some revenge after that loss uh, last year so how do you see that one well Pleasant Valley again I, I go back to the experience these girls all were here last year and and took that role as you know media picking against them coach gets I remember her telling me in the interview room she goes nobody's picking us to win we're just playing with house money and you know whatever happens happens and look where it is uh, you have that experience uh, but Yes, when you're missing a player like Vice. But you still have Jesse Clements, who had a pretty good tournament Mm -hmm. uh, last year. She's been a very good player. Teams are different every year. Even if you have the same players year after year, you're still a different squad, which makes it fun. Now, Dowling, on the other hand, let's let's face it. This might be one of Coach Meyer's most balanced teams that she's had at Dowling Catholic. Ava Zedeker is one of the best players in the state. She's very good defender, a very good shooter, a very good creator, and an incredible basketball IQ. That's one of those. She reminds me of another player that, that may have played at Dowling. She might not be quite the shooter right. that Caitlin was, but she's a heck of a good player, and she is friends with a lot of girls on other teams. I have seen Ava at Ankeny High numerous times the last couple of years watching friends. Did, I, did, were you at that Dowling-Ankeny game not uh, but a couple weeks ago? Uh, the, where it was, it was Zedeker and Williams against each other. I mean, it 
was just a fantastic thing to watch that night. I saw the first one out of Dowling, but not the... The one back here yeah. was just such a great defensive battle. So, and Coach Myers won state titles when she was at Nevada. So you have two coaches there that have won. Yeah, and, and give, give Dowling credit. I mean, they go out of the state to play. They go across. Wherever the vans will take them, they will find games and, and, and roll the ball out. The, the discussion has always been of who is that best, who is that two, three, and four team to balance out Johnston. And I, I really think this field has multiple teams that can, can fit into that and, and find an opportunity to get in there and play spoiler. Well, I've been impressed with Dowling's big girls, you know, and I, I think they I think could, she's maybe, a freshman, right? Right. One of them is, yeah. And I, I think they could maybe neutralize some of that size that Pleasant Valley has that, you know, they enjoy that advantage against most teams. And, and there's not as many big centers that we used to see. That, that has gone away. It's mm -hmm. now become a little smaller player who can shoot. You just don't have those six-foot plus players that you used to have and when you do you can really clean up if it's a it's a player who can get after the boards and get shots well now let's break down the centennial versus waukee game which is slated for 11 45 uh, it's the five versus four matchup so not surprisingly it might be the best matchup of the day uh, the warriors won both meetings during the regular season uh, but the last one went down to the wire at waukee before the jaguars dropped a 60 to 53 decision you know so what do you see as the keys in that one what Coach DeYoung say? Those are my keys. Uh, you know, uh, hard to beat a team three times in a year. Throw that first thing out. Uh, Coach Franklin's done a great job there at Waukee uh, after their split. Um, you know, Coach Guess went up to Northwest and then and then left. But she had, what I've heard is that the, the, the pool is pretty stocked. And when I saw them pretty early in January. It was a it was a good team that they put the press on Ankeny and just kind of wiped away that deficit. So this is a team that can come from behind. This is a team that can shoot the ball. Uh, Hope uh, that one of their players, um, Hope, is a really fun player to watch. Very versatile. Very much like Jaeger for Valley. Can stop out and shoot it. But let's face it, Centennial has two of the best one-two combos with Crawford and Pratt. I mean, really, can you think of a good two guards that are such pure athletes and nothing phases those two? I mean, really, Dan, have you? No, do you I, remember anything like that that Coach DeYoung's had? No, no. And I asked him today if he's ever had a guard that could rebound like Maya because she right? could team in rebounding, and he just said no, no, never. No, and her arms, the way she – and it's not just, oh, her arms are longer. No, her arms no way to go she there are players who just they know how that ball bounces off the rim and where to be at the right spot and Jaden Pratt I mean yeah there, there's nothing that girl can't do athletically and but watching those two play basketball night in and night out and let's face it it is not the same Scott DeYoung type team that there have been in the past this is a little more up-tempo a little more offensive friendly still great defense still well coached um but Waukee, you know, I think that one is, it looks really good on paper, and I think it should be close. I really do think it should be close. I just don't know how that one plays out. Yeah, you mentioned that this is a different team for Scott. Uh, all those teams in the past, you know, maybe, maybe they didn't have an all-state player in the post, but they've always had somebody down low that, that could score inside if they if they needed a bucket. And this team really doesn't, they really don't generate any kind of offense out of the post. Well, <laughs> give him credit for evolving. 
because when you have a certain formula that works for all those years, but when you have something that has to have a little bit of a change, he's been able to adjust and and find an offense that works for the, the players that he has. I mean, I've long been impressed with Scott DeYoung and what he can do with with teams. He's had some great players. And is, is this a team that can be playing on the last night of the season? Absolutely. Is this also a team that could lose in the first round? Yes. Well, of course, Scott's teams have always been known for their defense. You know, and he's so good at taking away an opposing team's best player and forcing some of the role players to beat them. You know, but with Waukee, that's hard to do. They've got four girls averaging in double figures. You know, so that's a team you really can't focus on just one or two players, can you? No, but if anybody's going to be able to have a good defensive plan. But then you also have to – so I always ask these coaches, like, um, especially at the state tournament, you've played this team once or twice already. Do you look at that film more than you look at their re- their most recent games? Because you see, you know how they play. Okay, you know what? We're going to front her. We're going to we're going to collapse here. We're going to double. We're going to zone it instead. We're going to that worked. That didn't work. So that's also kind of fun to see what the chess match is. It could just be that maybe somebody had an off night. Somebody was sick that first game, and it and it, we're going to try it differently the second game. So I think that's fun. I wrote, I don't normally write notes down for interviews, but Dan. And I wanted to say, you, it, it is all about the matchups. You just you just said it right there. Four players in double figures. How do you, does Centennial have enough height and athleticism to stay with those players? And I think if they don't, they know where they need to be to make it close. Well, one thing that he mentioned that was interesting to me was he, he said that Waukee's offense, they can move players around the different positions. They can post up different girls to take advantage of those matchups. And their offense is really f- free-flowing. They don't have a lot of structure to it. So that, that makes it hard to defend. It is. Coach Franklin's a former player herself. She knows how to game plan. Uh, and again, you win twice. You take it. I think if, if you're Centennial and you can escape that first game, anything's possible. But that first game better have all their attention. Well, in that last game that they, they had, uh, Emily Sorensen came up big in that one for the Warriors. She scored 19 of her 23 points in the second half. And I tweeted out at the time that I thought she might be the most improved player in the CIML this season. And I don't think I've seen anything since to change my mind on that. So if the, if the Jaguars do try to stop one player in particular, I, I'm guessing she might be the one. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to answer your first point. I don't think there. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think anybody's improved as much as Sorensen. How do you? And the second question. Uh, if there's somebody, yeah. if there's somebody, I'd maybe say Maya because she's really taken her game to another level. Well, this that's year. that's probably yeah. that's probably true. I just think expectations were high for her. Sure. I don't know if the expectations were as there for Sorensen as much, but uh, you know, I think yeah, you're going to have to do. You have to be hitting on all cylinders. So here's the here's the advantage. I think Centennial has a little bit of that experience in the big bright lights, 94 foot court that maybe Waukee doesn't have. Mm -hmm. That's my only little thing. And that comes down to, that just comes down to experience. And uh, I I like the veteran sometimes more than the upstart. Well, I looked that up today to see if any of those Waukee girls had ever played at state. So uh, Hauk was on that team when they won three years ago. She might've gotten a few minutes here and there at the end. Maybe. And Hope played at Valley previously. So she may have got some time there at Valley when they went to state uh, before she transferred. But those would be the only two, I think. Mm So uh, yeah, I I think if, if Waukee comes out a little timid and if, if Centennial can get a lead maybe get a big enough lead to hold on to it you know that might be a way to beat them maybe maybe but you know it's it 
we will find out who's the better team. I don't know how early we'll know it. I don't think we know it right away in the first quarter very often. We, we usually know by the end of the third quarter which one's the better team. Now it's just a matter of can that team close it out. Well, it should be a fun tournament. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure you are as well. Uh, do, you guys, do you guys have any new plans for what your broadcast this year that maybe we haven't done before? Or? New wrinkles or plans, I don't think you'll see too much. We're not bringing spider cam. Yeah. You know, that would be one thing that uh, you could have. But uh, we're going to do pregame shows uh, both Friday and Saturday, half an hour before that first uh, the, the first game of the day. So that's 5.30 on Friday and 2.30 on Saturday. So it's 5A, 3A that first night. And then Saturday goes 4A, 2A, 1A. So BJ Shave and Laura Leonard will have the calls on Friday night and the first game of Saturday. And then Brad Wells and Ellie Ruffridge will be back uh, for those last games. I'll still be up in my uh, perch up above watching everything. The pink coat is ready to go. It's in the closet. It's under it's under wraps. It's under plastic. It's protected, hermetically sealed. We'll, we'll pull that out. But, uh, you know, I'll get, get some work in earlier in the year. One thing Dan just I do this is our 12th year of doing coverage for Iowa PBS mm -hmm. and I just was reading an article um, you know just kind of looking back at when we started and looking at those teams a lot of the names have been the same over the years it's 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 both interesting and exciting to see who does come in that's new that you might not know I mean Johnson we've seen Johnston a ton at this state tournament. We've seen Centennial there a lot. We've seen Dowling. I mean, we, a lot of those names are the same. It's just, but they're all completely different teams. And just a reminder for Johnston, if you're thinking Johnson's going to roll, last year, Estherville Lincoln Central came in as the number one seed and lost in the opening round to the eight-seeded Vinton Shellsburg team. So anything is possible. Oh, for sure. That's why they play the games. That is Because <laughs> if they didn't, what would you and I do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it should be a fun week. I'm looking forward to it. Have a great tournament, Paul. I'll probably see you down there. Thank you, Dan. You bet. All right, you've been listening to the Yankee Fanatic Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Coldwell Banker Mid-America. At Coldwell Banker, you're not one of many clients, you're our most important client. We listen to your needs to develop long-lasting relationships and provide the best services, professional support, and resources in the industry. We are constantly exploring new and innovative ways to elevate your experience and exceed your expectations. Our network of resources allows us to be the number one Coldwell Banker franchise affiliate in Iowa, guiding you home for over 30 years. Well, I want to thank my guests again for coming in tonight. We had Maya Crawford and Coach Scott DeYoung from the Yankee Centennial Girls basketball team. And then we finished it off with broadcaster Paul Yeager. Appreciate the time from all of those folks. It's going to be a fun week down at Wells Fargo Arena next week. Looking forward to it. Uh, come back next week for another edition of the podcast. Uh, depending on how the games go on Monday, we'll either focus uh, some more on girls basketball at some point uh, during the week, or we could have a big Ankeny versus Centennial uh, boys basketball sub-state final on Tuesday. So we'll see how that, uh, how that pans out. That might uh, mix into our plans as well. But anyway, come back uh, next week for another edition of the Ankeny Fanatic Weekly Podcast.